welcome back to the Masters of Phyrexia. I am your host with my co-host and we are today talking about all things Phyrexia. All will be one. You will be one. And to be one, you got to hit that like and subscribe button, baby. Uh, and if you don't want to be completed and you want to be immune, you have to hit that share button and send it to someone so that they also can be immunized. So that's that's how this works. Is uh, everybody's kind of- getting completed with the EAT, the yeet, the completed. Um, uh, and so we we are we are in spoiler season. The magic the the magic story is done. We're past it. Ben, we're now getting card previews. There were leaks, but we can talk about them now. There's uh, cool card images that we can talk about. There's modern playable cards. Maybe we're going to talk about some thoughts on what happened in the story, your vibes. What do you know that's happened so far? Uh, We're going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to do part one of our new Phyrexia conversation. And by new Phyrexia, I mean Phyrexia all will be one. That is my first statement. (laughs) I keep calling it new Phyrexia, even though I've you and I first hung out, uh, I believe we met. uh, And I think it was, just before the original New Phyrexia. It, it was like literally months before, because I'm pretty sure the first set that we ever played at the store together was Rise of the Eldrazi. So New Phyrexia was next, and we both played and opened a lot of it. Actually, incidentally, I told you this the other day, one time at one of the drafts, there was like a giant stack of chaff somebody had left. They'd like open a box, obviously. It was a mixture of like Chinese and American New Phyrexia uncommons. Mm-hmm. And I just like, the, the owner was like, yeah, go for it. And I took them and put them in a box. And over the years, those cards have gone up so much. Oh, yeah. There, there was like five uh, noxious revivals. They're like seven bucks each now. I found four Triumph of the Hordes the other night. That card's 15 bucks. Yep. They were literally worth three cents at the time. They were in the trash pretty much, um, which is hysterical to me. But it was, you know, it was 13 years ago. So, I mean, it makes sense. The equivalent back then, if we were talking about a card from 13 years prior, we would have been talking about Tempest, um, you know, which is pretty old. So, uh, it's interesting to watch anytime we go back and try to do the whole we're throwing back and redoing a set or trying to harken back to the vibes of a set. There's like trying to make it cool and new. And there's always the thing of the things that were most powerful and unfair about the previous version. We can't repeat. We have to change them and make them a little different. And so we've seen this happen over and over again. With Ravnica sets and we've seen it happen with Zendikar sets and um, we're now getting the newest version of that. And this is the first time we've seen Phyrexian mana since New Phyrexia, which is cool. It's exciting to see it come back. Um, it was obviously one of the most powerful design decisions ever. And so, like, how are they using it now? Um, yeah, but I think there's a lot of cool stuff to talk about here. I like these cards. I, I like, all the, like a, quite a few of the previews. Are you stoked on it? You think it's cool? Yeah, I mean, I think this is actually like I, in some ways, I think this is Wizards Magna Opus. <laughs> and we'll see how stuff goes in the next set, which is like the war that follows. But just like the art direction, the world that is so specifically Magic the Gathering and one of the most horrifying possible things. The mm. story that's been going into this has been honestly like the closest thing to a horror movie Wizards has done. And they've done a few close ones that that's not even true. They've done a lot of horror movies. This one's wild. Um, you know, actual stakes are at large. Uh, the mechanics, I think, are cool. I think I actually kind of I I I. I, my gut feeling is that this is a closer set to Shadows than uh, Battle for Zendikar, or a closer set to Return to Ravnica than Battle for Zendikar, where it's it it feels like a so far what I've seen 
slam dunky. I think like the way they've reiterated on mechanics has been smart while also offering cool ideas and they're able to kind of really hark back to things in interesting ways. Um, and the first thing I want to talk about is the mechanics. So we can, we can kind of start there. Um, but before I drag you into my story under, under, under dome, uh, a arena. So, so let's talk. Well, hang on, hang on. Before we, yeah. uh, I thought you were going to say, before we get into all of that, we want to do a quick shout out to a few different things. One of which is we want to thank the patrons, patreon.com slash the MM cast. Uh, many of you got to hear us talk about the menu and other cool movie Hollywood stuff in the pre-show today, which is always fun to talk about. Uh, patrons get that early. You get the full uncut version plus the little convo there. So check that out. And uh, we appreciate you guys supporting us doing that. Um, talk to talk to the folks, Alex, about alter sleeves and what they what they're getting. By oh, supporting yeah. So them. if you are if you're a patron, you get a, a, a for the last four months. So this is the last of this. And then we're we're figuring out what will be next uh, after that. So you get this cool artwork. Bam, as an alter sleeve. These are inner sleeves that go on cards. Uh, this is Lightning Bolt. Uh, and uh, anyone that is up to this month uh, that has been a, a patron for all four will get a playset set uh, and, and so on. So that's really, really exciting. And, and uh, shout out to them if you go there and you want to check out at, using the code the MMCast. They'll help you out. Um, also, I want to shout out specifically to TCG Player. If you're looking to buy cards like the cards we're talking about, or you want to pre-order some MTG uh, 1 hotness they're there for you. You can also, if you go through Channel Fireball, they're where we live as a podcast beyond just the YouTubes and the iTuneses. And I uh, appreciate sending them some love as well. Uh, and just letting them know that you, hey, you watch the show and Channel Fireball is making it happen. So thank you to all of our supporters and sponsors. And thank you to our patrons as well. Now. Wait, hang on. Hang on now. Oh, no, no. I look, I, look forward, I look forward to this. We are going to get into our set review, but there is a trivia component of this show that we do every single show. We're going to do it. I've got one for you. I'm going to make you do this uh, the way this game works, guys. And sometimes I mean, I if, if you follow. So what you say? I'm hiding behind my microphone. I don't. If you guys have uh, followed us on TikTok already, Alex, where can the folks follow us on TikTok? Where can they where can they listen to uh, our TikTok cast podcast? The MM cast podcast. Uh, if you guys have followed us there the already MM podcast. Yeah, you saw Renee does that. You, you saw Renee on the show with me a couple weeks ago here. And uh, uh, you guys will sometimes get these trivia bits that pop up there. So we are in an artifact heavy set. Uh, there is one very iconic magic card. Uh, it's called Ornithopter. It has been around forever. It's been around since antiquities. It was the first ever zero cost artifact creature. Here's my question for you, Alex. How many... Zero cost artifact creatures, and I'm talking not XX, zero. It actually has a zero, and it is an artifact creature. Have there been, and can you name all of them? Naming is not going to happen. We're going to give Alex the thing where he gets to describe them. If you guys are thinking about them, the way this works is he's going to hem and haw for a second here. And if you have the answer to this question, you got to name how many? And then you have to name all of the ones that there are. And if you put that in the comments and you're right, good for you. If you don't know it, you have to like, comment, and subscribe to this channel, this video. That's how the game works. It's enough hemming and hawing, Alex. What's the number? Describe them. Ornithopter men might. Easy slam dunks. Uh, both exist, yes. There's Battle Sphere, I believe it was called, or something sphere. It's the like it it's uh What in the heck is 
Sphere. stars that pop out of it. I believe it has an XX count, like converted or star star converted mana cost, and just like dies immediately unless you do something. I believe it. Costs no, no, zero. these have to be a zero. They have to be no, zero. It costs zero. Oh. Uh. All right, let me, let me name another one. There's also a wall, and I think those are the. Four. I think there's four. <laughs> okay. First and foremost, Alex is correct. There is four. However, what you're describing, eh, only kind of accurate. So what uh, are the like two in my head? What I, what do they look like? Or here, let me just I'm 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 bringing them up. Uh, He's looking them up. Alex is cheating right now. He's looking up the cards. Well, I gave my answer. It, I like it, it's got Gerard on it, and it's like shooting like a star looking like a, a big jack is one of them. One of them is a wall, and one of them is not. I said wall. Yeah, shield sphere is the wall. So zero six shield sphere is a wall. Oh, did I just combine them together? Yes. Oh, it's Frixian Walker is the other one. It's a zero three from Visions. I think Alex oh, got shield. that wrong. He was pretty I got, close. I got the. Sh- I combined the shield sphere into one thing. Yeah, it looks like a jack. Yeah, I mean that card is sweet. Shield sphere is a classic. Yeah, so I got this one. I missed. I missed the Walker. So I got. Right, okay. it's, a, it's a Visions card. I'm actually shocked. Uh, I knew how many I there say- were. I was like pretty confident there are four. And I just forgot I can I like separated shield sphere into I, I like thought friction walker was the wall and shield sphere was the other card. I knew it had like a, and it has it has like weird counters. It gets minus one yeah. minus one. Every I time appreciate, I, I appreciate and respect the, the, the effort there Four is the correct number. You you had some 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 good instincts there. I do think it's kind of fascinating that since. Literally since. Phyrexian Walker came out in Visions, which would have been like 1996 or something. There's only been one printed, one zero cost artifact creature printed. Memnite was the only one, which was like 2011 or something, or yeah, 2010 or well, 11. There's been there's been zero cost non artifact creatures like Rograk. Yeah, but but uh, but specifically with how iconic like Ornithopter is and it, with the reason they did Memnite and like it was trying to throw back to that old style, I'm just surprised that we haven't seen another one. It's been so long, uh, like, um, you know, 25 plus years we've seen one, only one. So anyway, that is this week's trivia question. Uh, Alex, you fought admirably. Uh, we can we can decide collectively in the comments if, if Alex, do we give him credit At for that win or not? I get it. I said four. The original question was four. I, I said names and vibes. I'm impressed that you got the, the number correctly. I'm impressed with that. Okay, finally, my turn. We're talking tanks, <laughs> Ben. Infect is gone. We're talking toxic. Okay, so Infect, for all of our fans of the podcast, modern staple mechanic uh, is uh, creatures that do damage to players. Give them poison counters equal to how much damage. Uh, damage they would be dealt instead of damage uh and they do damage to creatures and minus one minus one counters um has been a modern staple of the format literally since the format's inception um extremely uh not popular is the word uh either it's you either love it or you hate it it's very uh controversial (laughs) um I would I would argue it's probably more beloved than be hated and the people that be hated are often whiny (laughs) uh and shock uh, just calling you all out uh if you're listening to this podcast um but it comes with some flaws and with morrow in his design article kind of talked a little bit about this and some of this we kind of do ahead of time in fact uh as a mechanic and it's one of the reasons it was in modern horizons 2 originally and they had to cut it is it doesn't 
really allow you to half-fast it. You have to like either every creature in your deck has to have an effect or none of them should have effect. There's no you don't they don't do anything if you're not trying to go all in on a strategy other than a few specific ones that are really combo kills that might as well say they have they do 40 damage or 20 damage depending on the sure. format than they are actually infect cards. And so that was one of the things that one of the challenges going into it. The other challenge or another challenge is that uh, minus one minus one counters for a limited environment is something Wizards doesn't want to ever do again. I makes me sad. I love the minus one minus one counter sets are some of my favorite of all time. I love the Scars of Mirrodin block. I love Amonkhet block. I love Shadow more. So one tear out for the minus minus counter uh, in my heart. That's slowly. I'm okay with the minus one minus one counter thing. I think that protecting against the complication in a limited environment is an okay thing to to stay away from. It's not like I don't think it was a necessity, but I'm okay with it. I think toxic is cool enough, but I I think my issue I think my issue with it, and I know we're gonna go down this road further, but I think my issue with it is that the old thing you're talking about, which does turn out to be kind of combo-y, is exploitable in a way that changing the ability to the way they've changed it, it's like they don't play that well together. And I think that's that it makes me a little sad because backwards compatibility is one of the most impressive things about magic to me. I guess I guess I guess two things. One, from what we've seen, they've designed the cards to play well together. Sure. Uh, right. Like, or at least there's definitely some plants that like these are for modern. For instance, there's the and, and the art will, will go up and I will look up what it's actually called. Uh, there is the, the one green, green rare. Right? Uh, there's a uh, venerated rot priest, which is one green for a one two Frixian druid toxic one. Whenever a creature you control becomes the target of a spell target opponent. Uh, whenever a creature you control becomes the target of a spell target opponent gets a poison counter. So that means your spells and their spells. And that's just an instant add to infect. Right. And it like every little piece of this card was designed for modern. The fact that it's a one, two, meaning that it is Renin six proof. The fact that it has, um, the ability for when you target your creatures, it adds one poison to your opponent. So you now get around one of the big flaws of just like there being a blocker in the way this gives you reach, Etc. It itself can't use the pump spells to do like additional damage, damage with those spells, but each of pump spell adds one and they'll do one itself. Uh, and it also makes it so if your opponents try removing your spells, they also protect them. Um, and there's also cool combos, right? You can do the gut shot thing, or if you can get your thing to 10 gut shot kills them, you could do the, um, uh, the, the spell skite move. Have you seen this? No. If you have two spell skites in play in this and you cast any targeted spell, you win the game. Oh, because you keep redirecting. Yeah, you can redirect the thing to each of your spell skites so it keeps triggering and giving them infinite oh, poison counters. As long as you have the two life to pay enough. Yeah, uh, yeah. You need you need to have more life than they don't have poison counters. I do think there's benefits too, right? And one thing in Infect is in Infect it was always and this is this is what they said, right? Toxic is a mechanic that allows them to let these cards be good when you don't have infect online, but they still can infect your opponent. And they're giving a lot of tools to still be able to do that, which I think will benefit the old poison decks because there will be weird spells that we might see like a plus two plus two and an opponent gets to, uh, a, a poison counter or pro plus two plus two proliferate and stuff like that. But what's cool is the backup plan for infect that also was always there, right? There is always kind of the option and there are many a games one in infect decks where you just pumped Noble Hierarch instead. Your opponent your opponent went down to 14 because they're a, 
a Jun deck and they fetched twice and thought seized twice, they're at 14 and you have the four pump, the three pump spells in their hand. They tap out because you didn't have an infect creature. You just had a noble hierarch and you're like, I attack for, you know, a one with a one, two, or maybe you have two noble hierarchs. I attack with a two, three noble hierarch and then plus four, plus four, plus six, you die. <laughs> and they're like, wait, how did you kill me with that infect? <laughs> and like stuff like, venerated rat priest and then the other good one that i've seen so far is the white one have you seen this too the uh the mother of runes oh yeah yeah the one you can pay the the phyrexian to tap it and protect make it but the protection gives that creature toxic meaning that and that does add right like giving your creatures toxic is as basically a plus one plus one pump spell in an infect deck Um, well i i think what it's interesting about these cards and where also, well, I mean, let's, let's also note that that white card is legendary. So it's cool from a from a uh, commander perspective as well. Like, it's cool that you we now have like a like a one one for one that has toxic. Like, that's a cool thing that did not exist before. Um, but I think the thing that stands out to me here is we've played Highlander Gauntlet and talked about it on the show for years and we, we don't play it as much as we used to, but. I do have this deck that I've always played against you in Gauntlet, which has been a green white sort of it's sort of like an infect deck. It plays 10 infect creatures. It plays a bunch of double strike creatures, a whole bunch of pump spells and tricks. It's almost like a combination of infect and hexproof in modern. It's like playing a lot of the same ideas of those decks, right? It's basically trying to go all in with some pump spells and win the game in a 1v1 format. But what is interesting about that deck and where I think it reflects to what we're talking about is that it it was never going to be tight enough to play proper infect because it's a hundred card singleton. So I always had to balance the idea that this isn't going to be an infect deck. This is going to be a deck that can win with infect, but if I don't have an infect creature, I have to win with double striking pump creatures. So rot priest is exactly the card that bridges the two strategies. And I think that's why what you're saying about modern makes a lot of sense to me. Rot Priest in in its own right could be like instead of instead of us seeing a deck list pop up on Goldfish in a few months that's like, you know, uh, blue green infect or whatever, it could be like green X Rot Priest, right? Like there's a that card's powerful enough with cheap spells that if you resolve the Rot Priest and protected it, you might be able to storm out and win. There could there could be a situation where that's the engine card combined with a bunch of cheap spells, you never even have to attack. You just cycle through a whole bunch of spells like a in like a Jeskai Ascendancy type of style of deck and just win. Because as long as you you mention it with Spellskite, you know, that's powerful in itself to protect your creature. If this is supposed to be the engine card of your deck, you play it with turn one Rot Priest, turn two Spellskite. Now you're just setting up to draw into the ideal hand to win the game. It almost sets up a whole different strategy. So I I think that what they're doing here is pretty cool that it expands such a myopic sort of narrow strategy it's just that a lot of these cards that are good they don't make the already good strategies and in fact that much better other than one or two cards most of them are like well but that's hard to make every mechanic ever right like if if they when they printed a bunch of merfolk and dominaria united one merfolk made the deck better True, right? true, true. Like, yeah. in my, like get making getting one new card for infect is like kind of insane <laughs> um but like I, the, the other point I wanted to make is the thing that you the other thing you couldn't do because of infect and what it did, you couldn't push infect creatures. Not most of the infect creatures are boring. The main infect creatures that see play for the most part are vanilla two or less or have some version of evasion and that's it. Right. 
Like, right. and what's cool about what we're seeing here is now with toxic because they don't have the, like, this is going to be pumped and it's going to give minus one, minus one counters. And it's going to do all these other things just to inherit and infect. It just has toxic. Now we can make him mother of ruins. We can make them do cool things that are like way more pushed and more interesting. And so you'll have like more what the cards that will see play in infect decks in modern are the ones that are like utility spells that just happen to have toxic so that they like can add to the main game plan, but then are actually useful versus just like, is this a two mana unblockable infect creature? Otherwise I don't want it. <laughs> um, so that's, I think, I think that's the other interesting feature, right? You get to be a lot more creative with this mechanic. Like you have stuff like Kuramox, the rat King, which is three black, all of your rats get uh, toxic one and it has toxic and it lets you like draw cards and you have like, um, you know, the, the, yeah, I think that's, that's the thing you get. Like there's a literally a, a infect white or a toxic might, uh, bitter blossom in this set. Yeah. I saw that you lose. Right. And then if you have like, what, if they have three or more poison counters, your creatures get life linkers, I think. Yes. Which does bring us to the next mechanic. And that is well, hang on. before, before, before oh. we move on, because the one thing we didn't mention is there is a card called Tyronex Rex, which is green, green, green four for an eight, eight can't be countered trample ward for haste. It has toxic four, so it does state players dealt damage from this card receive four poison counters, right? So like that is the push they did. They did like keep in the set the idea that you could do more than one toxic damage with with an effect. It's just they put it on a seven mana eight eight trample card. So well, like, and, it, and we don't know what it'll all like. There is a the preview card in the thing is Paladin of Predation, which is five green green for a six seven with toxic six and can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less. Like if, right. if your deck, if your opponent's deck doesn't have a three X, this kills you in two turns. That's a limited card that has nothing to do with modern, but like. They didn't, they didn't balance it down to toxic one being the only poison effect, I guess is my point. Yeah. They still, they still made it. You could do more than one poison damage. They just made it that, you know, toxic one was much more of the common effect you'd find on cards. And then all mm -hmm. the rest of them had clever ways to augment that. So yeah. you were saying next card next mechanic which is related is corrupted and corrupted is the ability of it's it's threshold for poison right if you have three um or more poison counters uh you can use the corrupted ability of things um it's it, one of the cute ones is the seed core which is you can tap it to make any mana of color to spend only on phyrexian colored spells uh or creature spells uh you can tap it to make one colorless it's a sphere, which is a type of land, but then you can uh, tap it to give target uh, one, one plus two plus one until end of turn, which is the opposite of uh, tree of Pendlehaven or Pendlehaven. So this is this is the seed core, by the way, is like the 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 central core of where the massive tree that's connecting Phyrexia to every other plane is uh, okay. based on Cal time. And that's like each of the each of the spheres are the different layers that belong to the different like things uh different praetors and so this one is a is a pendlehaven is a giant tree city right this is a the giant tree portal maker and it's a reverse version of pendlehaven if you have corrupted to be honest i think this is another card that could just see play and infect because you play one of them and then for the most part you can use all, all of the creatures and in fact all of the creatures in fact are phyrexians um i believe they've all been errated to be phyrexians now oh, is that uh, true Yes, I believe all Phyrexia faction cards became Phyrexians. So like so like Glistener Elf is a Phyrexian now? 
I believe so. Yes, I can. I'll look up the Scryfall to confirm really quick before. Oh, because that's to me, that's really interesting. I when I read this card, I was like, this is really cool. I think this card is really powerful. When I read this card in the first place, my yeah. thought was this this deck cannot afford to have, you know, a colorless source on turn one as a land. It's not going to be able to do that. So you're saying that. Yeah, almost elf, all uh, Glycerin Elf is now a Phyrexian Elf Warrior. So they, they made all of the anything that has infect is now a Phyrexian. They added everything retroactively. So now there still is the problem that that deck like needs to be able to tap for green mana for all of its pump spells and some of its other spells. So I, I do think playing more than one of these is super suspect, but playing one of them is not the worst thing I've seen. And it also allows you to play like the white card we mentioned, right? The the might, the legendary creature. Like if you wanted to play some of the other colors other than being the standard bug or blue green or black green, you could maybe do black green white stuff that no more hierarchy and then go back to noble hierarchy even, right? That's like something that's cool too is you could do green, blue, white now. You can actually do bant because they're adding enough white effects that offer poison. But corrupted is a cool, there's a, there's a bunch of cool ones. I think this is, they, they mentioned that this is the first mechanic they came out with when they had infect still in the file and minus one, minus one counters are still in the set, which was, this is a way to make it so that if you're playing one to three infect creatures in your deck, they're still relevant. You don't have to get to 10 for the infect counters to be good. You need Got to get it. the three and then a lot of your cards get powered up and then it, and then maybe you kill them or those cards help you kill them. Right. So that's why this exists is is I think one of the things they wanted to do in this set is make it so that creatures that are doing poison damage and decks that are playing with creatures that don't do poison damage aren't just like siloed. Well, yeah, I also think the thing you said a second ago is true, which is that it means they can push the other effects and I like there, there are a lot like like pro, like proliferate is one of my favorite mechanics of all time. It's one of the mechanics I think that is the coolest. It's marginal. It was never pushed too hard. So the cards that have had uh, proliferate over the years have always been kind of like just borderline playable. But like there's a few that are cool. Thrumming Bird comes to mind as one of my favorites. I was always a big fan of that card. Mm-hmm. Um, the way they interact with Planeswalkers. And I think something like Toxic One and these cards being designed that way certainly makes proliferate more exciting and it probably means they can push proliferate a little harder as a feature because obviously if you have infect pushed the way it used to be you can't really push that and proliferate at the same time it just makes poison the only thing anyone would want to do yeah but if it's people somebody's getting only one to you know one poison counter at a time on average then a card like Thrumming Bird's not even good enough. It's, it's, I mean, it never was good enough, but it's especially not good enough. It's way too slow. You have to like that becomes a very like average card. Right, right. And I think I think there's there's things here. there there was stuff in War of the Spark that first kind of started reinvigorating Proliferate, and I think there will be more and more stuff that we see here that makes it stronger and stronger. So I, I and Proliferate is one of the new mechanics, right? Or that's the returning mechanic. I think it's like the one that Wizards likes the most because it's super like. It's super safe in the way that they know how to handle it. It plays well with a lot of different mechanics. It plays well with Planeswalkers in a cool way, which is relevant here. It plays well with uh, Infect Counters. It plays well with Energy. It plays well with um, Mirrodin sets in general, because often the Mirrodin sets are the ones that have, and we'll get to that as a mechanic soon, uh, like Charge Counters is what it's been classically. Here it's called something else. Um, and so I think I think it's like a really popular thing to lean on that you normally you know, you normally wouldn't necessarily see. Um, Yeah, yeah, I don't have a lot of new to say proliferate. I think we'll get I think to your point, we're going to get some cool cards. We already got a telling time 
Uh, but instead of four cards, you look at three cards, but you proliferate now, which is cool, which is experimental augury. But like, I think there's definitely some cool stuff. Um, the next mechanic, uh, I guess we'll jump to that is oil counters playing into proliferate, right? Which is, um, instead of what in historically there's been charge counters, right? This is, these are counters that you can build and it builds up, they, they function as a special type of counter on artifacts and creatures that like the more you have or the less you have, you can use them for different things. Every single card uses them totally differently, but the cool thing is that they interact with, um, proliferate and they interact with each other right there are ones that like if you can move the counters over to something or you can use uh oil counters on any permanence you control so they'll have a little bit of that energy vibe to them um while also being less like this is on a player if i get rid of a permanent that has it i can get rid of it yeah the the oil counter cards that i think are by the way just stepping back to the experimental augury card you mentioned that's like the card i always wanted in proliferate like it was just always was the card that i wanted was like an actually good draw spell that proliferated every time they gave me a draw spell for proliferate it was like you know or three mana instant or like it just was never actually what i wanted whereas like i can hold this up with a counter spell and benefit off of it which is totally what i want so super awesome uh but oil counters you know from a stylistic and, and thematic standpoint, you kind of mentioned this, but it's what the theme of the set is. People, you know, Phyrexians taking over, completion, all that makes more sense than charge counters. And I've seen a couple cards in the set that have st- like stood out to me that I think are especially cool with oil counters. Uh, I really like. There's one in particular, actually, that I thought was really cool. And I can I can bring this up as like a fan of this, like, I guess, like type of card maybe or whatever. And you guys have heard me talk about this, but the those thermal alchemist type of cards are like some of my favorite. The and I know and people love them because like flame breaker and, you know, uh, electrostatic field and all those. They're always kind of expensive commons once the sets pass, because I think players like the the trigger gutter snipe sort of ability. Uh, I know that I know those types of cards are extremely popular. Like I love them and we've talked about them on here a lot. This card is called Sawblade Scamp. So it's it's a, a, a red for a one one Phyrexian Beast haste. Whenever you cast a non creature spell, put an oil counter on Sawblade Scamp, remove an oil counter from Sawblade Scamp. It deals one damage to each opponent. So what this now is, is the same type of effect as a Thermo Alchemist or a Firebrand Archer but it's a one, one for one with haste already. So it comes down on turn one and attacks for one. Now, every time you cast a spell, non-creature spell, it's going to get a counter and you can sandbag those counters and hold them at instant speed until you want to use them, which means if you have like a multiplier, you can save it for that, which means that if you have like, again, you do have to to tap them to do the damage. Oh, I didn't even see the I didn't see the tap on the spoiler. Ah, what a bummer. Yeah, way less good then. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> this card sucks. I thought it was like I thought it was like so pushed. I was like, oh man, this card is the bee's knees. It's my favorite card in the whole set. I'm deflated. I'll throw it back to you, Alex. Oh no, we killed Ben. <laughs> I'm we keep that whole thing in there. <laughs> um, no, I think I think we're gonna get a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, uh, based on those cards, and I'm excited to see see what they look like. Um, the next mechanic uh, is is the main Mirren mechanic, and it's for Mirrodin! Exclamation point! Uh, it's, I think the first time they've ever used an exclamation point in the mechanic. Um, and it's it's it, Satan in the set when they like picked out what are the mechanics from Phyrexia that are important to bring back, and it was um, or or that people liked. Right? There was proliferate. It was infect. 
it was um living weapon Phyrexian mana and it was living weapon and, and what they realized is like oh it would be cool to show that the mirans are using living weapon in their way to kind of fight mm. against it and so living weapon is back and i think they've just i think they've like started realizing they like just their equipment being creatures at first <sighs> they keep doing it there's i think three different variants of that mechanic in standard currently yeah the whole like reconfigure type of thing we have yeah uh, um but here's another one but what's what they did differently here is that instead of a germ token you're making a 2-2 rebel token first off rebels are back for any fans of lynn civvy 1999 magic the gathering vibes um i don't even know if that's the year that those were coming out i know it was, pretty, no, it was no. actually for you with that sort of thing i'm going to give you a lot of credit for a pretty accurate uh pretty accurate prediction there for the i think you're within a year of it i want to say I have, I have my guide where's my uh mercadian masks was prop was probably like yeah it was probably like it might have been 2000 but it might have been 99 you might, you might be it was 2000 lindsay was printed in the year 2000 oh, baby knows Merc- years baby knows years incredible who saw that coming but uh but mercadian masks then came out in uh 1999 because lindsay would have been in the second set that was Nemesis, and then that would have been the. Uh, so you were. So I was right too. <laughs> 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 okay, um, I know that because I have a Magic Thirty. Uh, what's it called? Box, and it's behind me, and I have everyone like in order by year when the cards oh, came. But uh, what's cool about this set? Rebels are back. That's sick. So get your Lincivies out. Get your old Rebel cards. You can bring them back if you played Modern Horizons. Uh, one. Uh, there's a bunch of cool Rebels in that. That was one of the actual draft mechanics for the set. So it's cool that they're here. Um, but the the benefit of it is that one of the like weird things about the the living weapon is every living weapon had to give a power and toughness boost to the equipment, right? Because they all they're all zero zero, so everything had to be X plus zero plus one at a minimum, if not better. Which was like a weird balancing mechanic. They couldn't come up with some cooler equipment because it would be like, oh, we don't want to give, we don't want to like make this equipment that's supposed to be like a one mana to play it, two mana to equip but it has to be plus zero plus one at least. Sure. And it, sure. So we can't give it a better ability. Now it could just be like, just, you know, you get a two, two, it's a two. You, and then when you put on another creature, it doesn't get a power boost. So you can make the abilities cooler or the equip cost less or whatever. Ah, uh, I think the mechanic name is a little corny. When I read it, I was like, this is a little silly. Um, this is not, it doesn't ruin the card for me by any means, but it just was like, okay. And then I do think, they had to change it though, from what you were talking about. The zero zero germ token is a very Phyrexian idea, so it had to be different than that. Um, but I do think it's the kind of thing that, like, when it's cool and it's new, it's fun. I'm not that stoked that we have so many different sets introducing equipment that come with a creature attached. I, I don't want that to be the standard version of equipment. It seems a cooler function when it's like a rare feature. Like living weapons, cool that it's that it's a rare feature. Um, so there's that part of me that when I read when I read the preview, I was like, I wasn't that excited about it, I guess, just like in general. I agree that that the fact that we had reconfigure earlier this year or last year, I guess a year ago, um, and I thought we had another one. I'm trying to figure, remember what it was, but makes this less exciting for sure. Like that that has been pulled away a little bit. I will we say had the, we had the one from Horizon. We had the ones from Horizons. I don't know if they were. I don't know if they were named something, but like you had well, like we, the, the white one, the one one that. Eldraine had some too, right? Eldraine had the like one one uh, equipment that would come in and make a one one token under it, and then yeah, 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 same idea as the, like the horizon that mechanic's point. been used a few times. Um, 
yeah, I think I think for sure it makes it a little less exciting. It's it's going to matter what the cards are too, right? I mean, the thing is like all of these are searchable by Stoneforge Mystic, so every single equipment, especially equipments that have creatures attached to them, are significantly more relevant for modern than than others because they're good on their own. You can play them as a creature, uh, but you also get the ability to use Stoneforge Mystic the Tutor as just a standard equipment. So I think I think that's like the one cool feature to them is they're just make Stoneforge Mystic better. And I like Stoneforge Mystic being good. Um, but I agree with you from beyond that, that it's like the mystique of living weapon and the fact that it's not living weapon and it's like something else makes it less exciting. Yeah, I agree. Um, now moving like on to your next point, point which uh, is the, yeah. the green red sword. Uh, yeah. So you can read what the sword does here. Cause it's pretty good. I think I, I like this card quite a bit. Well, my first complaint, I, I don't like the name. I don't unless someone tells me that Forge and Frontier is a like a turn of phrase like the other one, like Feast and Famine, Body and Mind, like all of those mm-hmm. are things that are like gone together. I've never heard Forge and Frontier ever. And I hate saying it ever said together, but Forge and Frontier three uh, equipped creature gets plus two plus two and has protection from red and from green. Whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, exile the top two cards of your library. You may play those cards this turn. You may play an extra land this turn. Equip for two. Yeah, the card is the card is fire from a pure rate perspective, from like the consistent thing you get from a sword. Now, let me correct me if I'm wrong here, Alex. This is the ninth, or is this the tenth? Ninth. This is the ninth, right? Do we still not? What's the one we don't have still? Uh, we have of the allied swords. We've gotten blue, white, black, red. We don't have blue, black. We, there's no blue, black sword yet. Okay, gotcha. That makes that makes sense to me. Which is uh, dope. There's one more blue sword, guys. Awesome. Uh, no, but this card is <laughs> this card is really good. I my evaluation of these swords when I first read them every time actually is almost always exactly accurate. I would say the only time I've been a little off in my mind, like when I look back at it later, was the it's the the the, the get an extra land one hearth and home. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Uh, that one I thought was really bad and I've seen in commander that it's better than I thought. That's the only one that I was like, this card is more powerful than I thought. But like for the most part, otherwise like truth and justice, I think is kind of crappy. I think like some of the newer ones are not as good. Uh, classically the blue red, I always said the blue red one's the best one still is the best one that and feast and famine are the two best ones, I guess. But like, I would say feast, of, would say feast and famine is better than, than, uh, the blue red one. They're 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 equally good in their own style, I think, but they're the two clear like value yeah. ones. I think I think they're both very good. Blue red is generically very good. Black green does unfair unfair things like that card. Yeah, is, is probably does shouldn't exist. <laughs> but like in regards to this one, I actually think this is closer to the top level. One thing I didn't yeah. realize when I first read it is you do get to play the land from exile. Yeah, you can so play it. Is, it is play. So so you, it's not like one of the weird times where you don't get to play the lands from exile. Um, I also think that just in general, the sword is more exciting because it's in standard and pioneer. Yeah. Like oh, one of true. the problems with the swords that are be printed in modern horizons one and two is that swords have kind of been outclassed in modern, even with Stoneforge mystic being added, unless you are literally sort of feast and famine or sword and fire and ice. And really, sort of feast of him doesn't even see that much play because draw go isn't as necessary there. You're not gonna see play, and that means these cards are just kind of like printed into commander, but they're like weirdly balanced because they're printed into modern, so they like were made not as good as they maybe should be if they wanted to be commander playable. But 
in with sort of Forge and Frontier, which I think which Heart and Home did do successfully, right? They made that for Commander and that card's really good in Commander, but it's not wasn't really even intended to be that great in Modern. Sort of Forge and Frontier feels like so sick for Standard and Pioneer and such a cool mechanic, the card to put into those formats. Um, and it's cool to see a sword in those formats again. And I don't think it's overpowered in any way. Without Stoneforge Mystic, these cards wouldn't have been as broken as they were when Stoneforge Mystic and Jace the Mind Sculptor with Cobblade was running all of them. So I, I'm pretty hyped. This is pretty cool. It doesn't deal damage. It doesn't gain you life. It doesn't kill a creature. It doesn't uh, like get a card out of their hand. It's basically giving you uber value. And it's random uber value as well, because you you're exiling cards like you have to play them that turn. You it's it's to me, like what I like so much about it is that it's the kind of card that if you resolve and like connect with, you're going to be super happy. Like it's going to it's going to feel really good to play this card and to connect with it, which is like my favorite type of magic card. It's I think swords, the general three two cost of the, the you know the cast that equip. I've found them to be outclassed in almost every format. I actually, I find them to be clunky, very clunky. I always found them to be a little clunky, but I find them to be super clunky now in a way that like, I, even in commander, like if like you can certainly get value out of a sword three and two is not that big in commander, but also what you're getting out of even the best ones. The only one in commander that is truly a game changer is feast and famine because against a whole table and tapping your lands is a big deal. But like fire and ice and commander is totally fair. Like it's not that good of a card. It's yeah, an extra think, card and two damage. Like who cares? I think in commander, the best two are heart and home and feast and famine. Yeah. And yeah. then and then to be honest, uh, war, uh, war and peace, I think is like underrated. <laughs> I think body, not body and mind, uh, the uh, the black white one gains you three and gets a creature back. Gaining three uh, is not, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, like, War of the Sword of War and Peace, the ability to do damage equal to your opponent's card hand, like hand, cards in hand, can just murder yeah. players in Commander, right? Like, some, sometimes that player just has more cards than they should in their hand. And you can also build around it. Like, I love putting it in any of the decks that I'm like, I'm Reliquary Towering in this deck because it's like, then I'm gaining 20 life, right? I'm getting yeah, 10 yeah, yeah. life every time I hit. The problem with Sword and, uh, uh, the other problem with sword, the black and white one for me is that the decks I'm most often wanting to play these swords are often like tempo control decks that play stuff like Stoneforge Mystic, which means I don't have any creatures yeah. that are in my graveyard. Why would I have creatures in my graveyard? Those aren't spells. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. But yeah, getting but getting back to the card, I think this is a really a big win from a design perspective. It's one of my favorites. I think it it also hits on a green red combination of abilities that I think. I think it hits in a really successful way. Like I, mm -hmm. I, I, aside from the name, which I agree with you, I didn't actually think about that until you brought it up. It's a silly name. The other names are great. Forge and Frontier. I've never heard it before. I don't know why they named it this. But aside from the name, this card feels like a really big win from a design perspective. It's like, what do we want a green red sword to do? Extra land. It uses the red draw card ability. It doesn't feel overpowered. It feels like a fun card to play. Um, that's a that's a big home run. How close are we to the full spoiler on the set? Uh, we're not all the way there. The so leak, blue the leak re revealed every rare in the set, I believe, but we haven't gotten every mythic, and we definitely haven't gotten most of the commons and uncommons. The um, blue black, the so blue black may be in the set. Then we may no, have I believe one. there's only one sword. We have that confirmed. Okay, got it. So my 
I have two guests for blue black. I would guess that we get it in one of the next two sets. Like they they decide to use the return, the, you know, the final finale of Phyrexia to finish the 10 card cycle. I think that would be cool. Um, I think that would fit. So I think I think it's possible we get it in the next set or in uh, the aftermath set. Um, it's blue black. What do you think it does? Well, I want to first, just, first of all, commend them for taking 20 years to finish the cycle. I think it's yeah. pretty baller that they started a cycle and they actually sandbagged us for 20 years. Like, that's pretty wild. I think in today's magic, geez, what does blue black do in today's magic? So I mean, Milton, can't just, it, it can't be a repeat effect, right? None of the cards repeat effects. So it can't be, so it can't just be draw a card. Blue, blue can't be draw a card. It so can't be draw a card and it can't be mill 10. Uh, I have one thought that black could be exile target graveyard. Okay. What that, what could it be that? And like bounce, like bounce a permanent maybe, or like a non land permanent or something like that. It could, is there, is none of them bounce? Is there not a bounce? No, none of them, none of them the do. Blue, none of them white do one that. is proliferate and put a plus one, plus one counter on something. It's by far the worst one. Blue, green is mill, blue, red. Yeah, I think it could be bounce. What if it was, what if it was boomerang though? What if, what if, what if it was not? Hood, I, hood, or, I, I think that would be too strong. <laughs> I think, I think it would be too dangerous to be a toxic gameplay pattern. I mean, here's my thought with that. It's so expensive in, especially in standard, which would be the bit most dangerous format to resolve, equip and connect that even if you like, You'd have to like like let's say you did this and you connected twice or something. Returning a land two turns in a row, like by the time this is coming down, it's probably like turn fours and you're connecting at the earliest, is very good, but like that's like not messed with the the casting and resolving. You have to get through the fact that that costs mana. Yeah, but if I, they stumble think, once they lose, because you now have made it so they don't get to play a land ever again. Well, you have to connect every turn. I mean, they could do. They How could are they going to stop you from connecting if they don't have lands? Well, they're going to have three or four lands at that point. So, they, they, any spell they draw that that I mean, sure, it can get countered. I, you it could has, be right. It, it has protection, good. so they can't remove it. It has protection for one of the two best colors to protect it. Yeah, it's honestly, I think just bouncing a creature is too much. I think I think it's like, in, if anything, I almost want to say like it might be another option. I think something that would be cool is like put a flying counter on target creature you control. No, that's weak. That would be that. That would be disappointing for me. Sure, that'd be the, that'd be disappointing. I think I think it's got to be. Well, I guess it depends what the black one is. If you're saying the black one is exile a graveyard, that's not a affect the board situation. That's an affect another zone situation, which mm-hmm. can be good. But if it is not good, then it's useless. Which is kind of a little bit of the like. What's the black red one? Is the one that gets rid of a planeswalker, right? Black red kills a planeswalker and an artifact. Yeah. And that's the like, that's the one for me that when I, I'm always like, yeah, I mean, sure. If the right situation arises, that's going to be great. If it doesn't, then this effect is useless. So like, this doesn't do enough for me. Um, I think one of the abilities has to give you value, which is why I like the green red one so much. So, so if black is going to, you know, if black's going to exile a graveyard, then I think blue has to give you something. It's got to bounce something. And if black, you know, lose a life, draw a card or something. Then I think blue could be bounce a creature, 
maybe or or or, or, or flying counter or something it like could, that. It could, could be also, it could be it could be loot or it could be loot too, right? Like we've never gotten a loot. That's another one that we have never seen. So it could be like draw two, discard two, or draw one, discard one. Draw discard one is a lot worse than draw two, discard two. Um, it also yeah, can be a mechanic. Like it could be connive. Like like if it depending on what the mechanics of the set are, it could be surveil connive something surveil or something. Yeah, it could be like surveil three would be a sick one too. To be honest, that feels very blue black. Surveil Great. three exile target graveyard or yeah, exile the graveyard of the player you did damage to. I think is like I think that could just be what it is, and like I agree with you, it wouldn't be very strong, but I think that's intentional because it's being printed in the standard. In the standard, yeah, yeah, that's that's cool though. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a fun idea. I like Surveil Three. I think that's a that's a very cool card selection. Fill your graveyard, blue black. Like it gives you some pretty significant value type of deal. Yep. And then now we enter the last mechanic of the set. The car, the one that a lot of people would think maybe would never be printed again, but we've known it was because we got their, our first hint of it over a, about a year ago with Kamigawa. And that is Phyrexian mana is back. Now, outside of our uh, my my understanding at this point, and we could be wrong as cards get previewed, but my understanding and based on what they've announced is that there are only five, the only cards that have Phyrexian mana in their converted mana cost or their mana value or their mana cost, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> are the five completed Planeswalkers. It's in the Planeswalker completion ability. Otherwise, it's uh, only going to show up in the activated abilities of permanence and, and and creatures and maybe spells as like a kicker effect though we haven't seen that um but basically like they learned their lesson the cost of a card going into play needs to just be what it is but activated abilities can be whatever, whatever you want the planeswalker ability is really interesting right so the way they've decided to balance this is that every two life you pay for the cost of a planeswalker that reduces it uh reduces the the actual loyalty of that planeswalker by is it one or two is it if you pay two life it reduces it by one or by two it uh, reduces it by two loyalty so it like from the cost of a planeswalker to the loyalty of a planeswalker it actually balances really nicely when you look at these cards it's it's, a, it's a, really it, it's been a lot cuter than i expected it to be really elegant uh because planeswalker balance and ability balance on planeswalkers is sort of in many ways is like the the most holistic uh, balance you can get in magic. They it's they have to kind of balance the minus on most planeswalkers to be like the bad version of a spell. So if you're going to give a planeswalker that you can play for cheaper, that means that like it's probably going to come down at its cheapest in a situation where its minus is just not very good. Like and you can kind of see it in all of these cards, but I think the variability and the cost is what makes it so cool. So I'm proud of them for doing that i think it's a really nice way to use it none of them feel overpowered they all feel appealing to cost for their cheapest cost but we tend to think about phyrexian mana as nothing it is life paying four life or something to get you know four off on one of these is significant you're two untapped shocklands or something like um so it, it does matter and i think that that's a great use i also have i, I mean to be honest with you I've i've thought a lot of the Phyrexian mana abilities on the cards in the set have been pretty cool too. I don't miss 
I'm not missing the noxious revivals and the mutagenic growths and the gut shots of the set. I mean, those are fun cards. And if they threw one in the set for fun, it would be cool. But I don't think it's necessary. Agreed. And I think I think like they're just more dangerous than they're worth. But when you get stuff like like, you know, like with the Nissa card, the fact that it has two, it's the only with two Frixian symbols. And so it like has this massive variability where like as a seven drop, this is coming down with seven loyalty and can immediately ultimate. Like you can play yeah. this as a seven mana. All my creatures get seven uh, plus one, plus one, plus seven, plus seven and trample. Right. Or you can play it at six and now you can build towards that. But you still get to make the fact that whenever you make your plus is making a Frixian horror. That's an XX equal to how much loyalty Nissa had at the time. So then that also is a variable piece. Plus, you just have the ability to tick down and just destroy artifacts and enchantments all day. And it can go down as early as five. Um, Vraska I mean, having. Yep. Well, just because obviously Nissa is going to be on the screen, but anybody on audio, about Nissa is green, 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 green three. Uh, it is a legendary planeswalker. Nissa, the standard ability is that it comes out with seven loyalty uh, completed. Plus one, create an XX green Phyrexian horror creature token where X is Nisa's uh, loyalty. So the plus one, if this comes down that it's full deal, is your seven mana 8-8. Eight, eight. Pretty good. Minus one, destroy target artifact or enchantment. I mean, like, that's... <laughs> if you come down on the full loyalty, like, there, no one's ever resolving an artifact or enchantment again unless it gets rid of Nisa. And then, finally, minus uh, seven. Wait, minus seven, yes. Until end of turn, creatures you control get plus one, plus one for each forest you control and gain trample. So it's 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 Crater Hoof. Like, you're playing a Planeswalker variable cost Crater Hoof, which is also extraordinarily good. Like... I like this card so much more than I like Crater Huff for two reasons. Well, Crater Huff is boring. Yeah. So in my Crater Huff is maybe my least favorite commander card. <laughs> uh, it's so boring. It's so easy to get into play on on eighty different ways from tutors to reanimates to rebuying it to blinking it to whatever. Um, what I like about this in that context is that this is something that you don't get the abuse in the same way, which is interesting. But at the same time, it's the modularity of it is great. Crater Huff Behemoth in your hand sucks, right? You want it to be right. able to cheat it into play somehow, at least in your hand without a way to cheat it into play, without a, a you know, a sneak attack. Uh, Nissa Ascended Animist in your hand is great. I want to draw this on turn five. I want to draw this on turn six. I want to draw this on turn seven, right? I want now not modern playable for sure, but in all of those situations, you're getting this really cool versatile card that lets you build the things and is really powerful. So I love the versatility of this card. It's kind of the same how I feel with basically almost all of the completed walkers like i love jace right i think people are a little down on jace right now i think he's really underrated i am I sad I like that if this is the last jace card of all time uh which it might be uh i am i hope it's not i have theories on why it could not be but if it is um it's sad that it's not like I, i'm a little nostalgic for jace breaking the format when it enters it right where this is we're not. We didn't get Jace the Mind Sculptor. We didn't get Vrin, for, uh, Jace Vrin's Prodigy. We got. So I think. I think this is possibly in the top four Jaces. If I was uh, going to be honest with the world, um, but I don't think it's. I don't think it's like standard defining, which is a little sad. One. One big tier for for Jace the Perfected Mind. But uh, Jace, it's uh, two blue Frixian blue, uh, so it can be a three mana Planeswalker or four. Uh, Legendary Planeswalker Jace has completed uh, plus one until your next turn up to one target creature gets minus zero minus, or minus three minus zero. 
uh, minus two target player mills three cards. Then if a graveyard has 20 or more cards in it, you draw three cards. Otherwise, you draw a card. So minus two to draw a card until you have 20 cards and just draw three. And then minus X target player mills three times X cards. Uh, it comes out of five. A few key features. All Both of the mills are target player. So you could target yourself. And often you're going to want to target yourself. Um, for mill decks in general, this just out of the gate, if all you wanted to do is it's three mana mill mill nine, right? Which is yeah. which is above rate. It's a, a a little below rate for what the mill decks currently do in modern. If you then ignore every other ability on it, right? Like like if all you're using this for is three mana mill nine, it's fine. But it's it actually costs, it, it costs yeah. you two life. By the way, if you do that, so it costs you two life, three mana to get one worse than a glimpse of the unthinkable minus everything. I do think that's kind of what you were talking about a second ago, as far as the whole, like we see the Phyrexian symbol in our mind. It's the ideal scenario. It's not the, the, the gameplay scenario where you're getting attacked and burned and like two life matters. It's not nothing. It's just, it's, it's just a low and, cost. And I play my shock lands untapped and I thought these two turns in a row. So I don't, <laughs> I'm living yeah, on the yeah. edge. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. The only life, the only life that matters is the last one. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, as, as if you were a completed being like me, you would understand. Uh, but yes, fair. But on the other hand, paying this on turn four in those decks, if you don't want to play it on turn three is mill is mill 15 is, is, is the rate you're getting, which is, which is better than that. Almost twice as good. Like that's, that's, I called you last night when I saw this card and we like, we talked about it a little bit and like, yes, this card to me in terms of like the, the, the versatility you're getting in a mill deck, very strong. The fact that they have visions of beyond built into this card is just one of the abilities, like, which is already like such a good card in the mill deck. It's so good. Uh, from a, pure like just linear mill perspective yes like this card is playable if you have any play in the deck if you have any you can survive a few extra turns by just like making something happen whatever like this card's probably gonna win you the game there's there's a world in which you play this they don't have an answer you plus it a few turns and then it's just just game over this 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 to me is like yes i wanted to start with the mill option because mill is a deck that does well in modern pretty regularly and just any kind of tool that's helpful this is also helpful for that deck because something that deck can run out into is both ways to stabilize which this card helps ways to draw cards and, and increase your engine and late game plans and jace the perfect mind helps with some of those um and that's kind of the part of it is I actually think this card is also really con- interesting in control decks as a control finisher and stabilizer, because I think people are underrating the minus three minus zero ability. Jace by itself, when it enters play, negates any four power creature or below, because if it's a one, if it's a four power, then it's it's the Jason it or training back and forth. Right. I take one. You you know, I'm, I'm not ticking up, but you're also not doing anything. If it's right. anything lower than that, it no longer does damage. This turns Dragovan off. This turns Dragon Rage Channeler that they have off um it's minus two is a cantrip right so this comes down on turn on turn three you can minus two draw two cards one card because you draw a card and then you mill yourself if you if you're a deck that can take advantage of it three cards which often decks that are in modern are playing either either you could use it for ramp right you can use it for delve you can use it to get 
important cards you want in your graveyard into your graveyard. Um, so that's that's like a pretty decent value play if they don't have a threat. And if they have a threat that early, you can start taking it out. A three mana planeswalker that basically removes a creature from battle is not to be underestimated, especially when what it's ticking up to is a straight up win condition. Right. Having one of these in my control deck and I just like play it. Minus three Ragavan, minus three Ragavan, minus three Ragavan, uh, yep. uh, minus nine mil, 27 cards. You like you've drawn, you know, the, at that point, like you have one or two turns left and like every turn that exponentially goes up on how much. How or I guess cubically it cubically goes up <laughs> on on how likely you are to kill your opponent with it. And in the meantime, if you want, you could just be using it as a draw. Like once you stabilize, if you don't think that's a game plan, you could just start using it to draw cards and like get, get to t- three cards a turn off of it. So I think like this i think jace is pretty underrated um this to me this is this was the card perhaps that i was most excited about when i well maybe not exactly that but i mean this was a card that i was very excited like when i read and i kind of started to do the math in my head of what i thought i could do with it it definitely feels like the kind of card that's going to be underrated but like once people take advantage of it it's a more unique card in its effect then I think several, if not the majority of the other Planeswalkers that are printed here, they're all cool. This just is doing something at a fairly aggressive rate that I think will take only one kink to get broken. Like, I, I don't think it's going to define modern by any means, but I think this card's going to be around for a while. I think this card's going to be good for a long time. I, 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 I guess I will say, I think like one thing I see in this set is all the Planeswalkers feeling extremely versatile. Um, even the non-completed ones like the Eternal Wanderer. But uh, I do want to finish through the Frixie one because I want to finish Frixie Mana talking about the other way because the, the last monocolor one is Vraska Betrayer Sting. Four black Frixia Mana Legendary Planeswalker Vraska. It has completed. Um, it has a zero. You may draw a card and you lose one life to pr- and you proliferate. Uh, which I love. Yep. I love a zero that actually ticks up. Uh, yeah, it's sick. Uh, as a minus two target creature becomes a treasure artifact and loses all abilities. And minus nine, if target player um, has fewer than nine poison counters, it becomes nine poison counters. She puts you just on the edge of death, uh, and she comes in Ooh. with six loyalty. So she can either be a six mana six loyalty planeswalker or a five mana four loyalty planeswalker. Which means for her minus two. Um, that's either three three activations or two activations if you just want to tick her down. Um, also, the proliferate on the zero means that if you were to play one and it dies and they're at nine, then you play another one, you proliferate. It's just game over, which is dope. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and, and the other thing that's really cool, I mean, this is less modern. I think she's not very modern playable, which is fine. Not, not everyone of these need to be. But in a commander setting, like she's a great Planeswalker tribal card, right? Like this goes into every Planeswalker deck because the zero mana proliferate is such a powerful ability in those decks and you get to take advantage of it in such a cool way um to the extent that i wish her other abilities were worse so she could have been a four mana planeswalker versus a six five like a four a five four versus a six five um but other than that i think she's really sick and 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 like a cool cool card um we won't talk about all the flavor things i want to talk about if you want to hear all of my thoughts on the lore and flavor of this set which i have so so many of them definitely check out my tiktok <laughs> i have an entire playlist called phyrexia you can watch i think i have 40 videos in there 
all one to three minute on a bunch of different subjects, including the fact that the three monocolor planeswalkers are the three factions that are not Elish Norn's faction, as well as not the one most likely to rebel. So she didn't complete any pure rivals and she didn't complete any pure rebels. Well, until we get to Nahiri. Uh, if you want to talk about my th- theories on how Nahiri is going to betray Elishnorn, uh, that that is also there. Uh, how all the Dominuses are actually trying to become uh, Phryxia's trying to recreate Yagamoth from scratch. Uh, all of it, check it out there. Nahiri the Unforgiving, one red, red-white hybrid. Uh, both of the hybrids on that are both complete, so it's a Phryxian hybrid hybrid. Uh, and then white, uh, legendary Planeswalker Nahiri. Uh, plus one until you're... Uh, until plus one until your next turn up to one target creature attacks a player each combat of fable which specifically means not a planeswalker um so it can't attack any it can't attack me here or others so she protects herself plus one discard a card then draw a card uh zero exile target creature or equipment card for with manual value less than the hero's loyalty from your graveyard create a token that's a copy of it that token gains haste exile at the beginning of the next end step um what i like about this one a lot is it does feel like it's harking back more to nahiri the harbinger's mechanics than like nahiri who cares about equipment yes the four nahiri from a few years ago that like dig six to get it like i think it's dig six to get like equipment or vehicle or something was a big bummer like i've tried that card before and it's never good um first of all let's talk about the just the art (laughs) like nahiri with like the sword arms sick so good uh, uh the chainsaw man theme should just be playing in the background if we wouldn't get it taken yeah. down off of ads uh incredibly cool but then like yeah i think the fact that you can you can cast this at three loyalty for three mana completed and it comes down and for zero you know for zero you can uh you can grab some creature and, and put it in play with haste you know you can get that equipment like N- here the reanimator the Nahiri, the graveyard mechanic character in Red White, has always been one of the dopest things to me. And I think she plays pretty well. I think she's not that far away from modern playable. I think she might miss it a little bit, but the fact that she can protect herself weirdly in Commander or in, in Modern, and I think the fact that she's a three mana planeswalker that like can come down and like reanimate a a Stoneforge Mystic or reanimate a, a, a Ragavan the turn it, it gets played. And you like yeah. get him with Ragavan with haste is pretty cool. The fact that it's, she doesn't tick tack down at all, like none of her abilities go down, um, is really cool. I think it's just weird. Like, she doesn't have any like negative or ultimate. It's a, that's like a little strange. It makes it makes it as a planeswalker. She feels like very like value, but like not. There's no like inevitability here. It's like a you kind of a unique planeswalker design. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, there, there's a few like the ultimates on a lot of them are just as you can you, you you can use their biggest ability as soon as you play them on both sides, right? Like, yeah, even the ones we talked about Nissa on her full kit mana cost can use her ultimate. Jace's ultimate can happen as soon as he comes into play. It's a minus X effect. Um, other ones like the Wanderer, which we won't talk about today because I want to save like we're, we're running out of time and I want to save the like the non-completed walkers for next next week. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I think I think that yeah, today's the mechanics of New Phyrexia. That's what today's episode is going to be called. <laughs> um, and and first and first looks. Um, and so I do think. I think that's I like that space more. Ultimate's always kind of like. Yeah, you ignore them when you if, if, if ever like you have opened a planeswalker in a random chaos draft pack and you look at it and you don't even look at the ultimate, right? You literally look at the You look at the playable abilities. What's the minus? 
What's the plus? How much loyalty? How cheap? You never think like I'm going to ultimate this and win the game with it. There's a few planeswalkers over time that because maybe we played with them enough, we sort of know. But I would argue 95% of planeswalkers, the ultimate is totally irrelevant. And they're not totally irrelevant. They're win conditions, right? Most planeswalkers have two abilities, and you know if you keep plussing them, you'll eventually get to a ultimate that says, I win the game. It's not irrelevant. It's just but not irrelevant in the sense that like most win conditions, when you put them into decks, you win with them sometimes. I have won with planeswalkers in my life of the percentage of times I've played a planeswalker in a game. I've won the game using an ultimate like two percent maybe or less. That's like because you almost... don't like paying four plus drops that uh are no, value I mean, oriented. <laughs> even when I played them, I mean, I've, I've, I've ultimate, like I've like minus like ultimated like a Lily of the Veil before. And like there, are, I've definitely done it. You find yourself in that situation sometimes where you play one and like it happens, but it's so rare. I feel like you don't never play them in your deck because you're assuming that's how you're going to win. You always play them in your deck because you assume that's how you're going to get. Sure. But part, part of the power level of them is that there's an inevitability. One of the reasons you haven't done that is because by doing it, having it, you're forcing your opponent to interact with that instead of attacking. Sure. You, which adds the life gain feature to planeswalkers. I mean, there's also a larger conversation of planeswalkers that we can have maybe next week or this week in that. I think that wizards is getting rid of them or heavily removing them from kind of the conversation, which I think will be really interesting to see. Uh, but that's a different, we can talk about that later. I'm going to drop that as a preview for next week. Like and subscribe, baby, if you want to hear that conversation. Um, but Nahiri, one of the things that is also cool about Nahiri, more from a story perspective, is um, so Nahiri is one of the most planeswalkers, powerful planeswalkers of all time, and currently in canon, right? She single handedly summoned Emrakul and basically almost destroyed Innistrad. In the story, while you're reading it, basically every time anyone talks about Nahiri, she's like, she's an hole but also could just murder me if she wanted to by looking at me the wrong way <laughs> um for the record other dangerous ones jace is also on that list which is also jace. terrifying uh we'll talk about that uh, we can talk about the completion of characters too but uh i think nahiri has the potential to and nahiri is also famous for not taking from no one right like she's her whole relationship with soren is like soren told me what to do and i said no and then tried murdering him a few times so I'm 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 hoping that Nahiri could become the new face of Phyrexia. Like she tr- kills Elishnorn. Like Elishnorn has specifically like avoided completing planeswalkers that were red or white for the most part. They're always like one of the other colors other than Nahiri. And Nahiri is like the exact two colors that N- Elishnorn doesn't like to deal with. She's the most powerful planeswalker she completed with and she doesn't like taking from anybody. Bleep that out. Uh, um, so, so yeah, um, that's, that's my little story note. Uh, also Jace is terrifying. I'll just say that before we do the last one. Um, can I ask you before we do the last one? Why? So, so with the whole like completed angle and forgive me for being a, the heathen here who like doesn't completely understand when characters are completed, we're supposed to believe like they're infected. They can never go back. So if Jace, because Jace is completed, like that's the end of Jace. Like, like it could be the last Jace card because Jace could be dead. Like, or any of these planeswalkers. Like, the idea is that this is the the end game. They're dying. Up, yeah, it's a made up story. So, literally, like you know, Teferi exists. Teferi could just go back in time and retroactively undo all of this. Would be pretty lame. Uh, as like you know, in the sense that anytime a major story is told, and then the answer is we time traveled and undid it. That sucks. 
Uh, I mean, when Thanos goes, it's no time at all. And he does the, he does the thing with the green and then turns back and then kills vision. That's dope. It worked very well in that story. So it's possible. That was like within the moment, like 30 second buybacks. And I would say they, they did one of the best jobs I've seen of it. And part of it is because they added cost, right? Yes. At the end of Endgame, they removed half the characters or at the end of Infinity War, they removed half the characters, but it was pretty blatant that like they were going to come back. The cost of them coming back was that they missed five years of their life. There was an emotional cost to them being removed. Yes. I don't think in the next set where it's going to be like a month from now, they're not going to have the same level of cost if they just use an undo button with time travel. What I do think so. So from a completion perspective, it's like vampirism, like in in a lot of meeting, right? Like you're you are now an evil version of yourself. You no longer have a soul or what. Interestingly enough, in this version you do have a soul like your spark is attached to your soul that was the big thing they figured out in kamigawa block is how to complete a planeswalker because they made it so that you don't kill them they keep their soul but they're still completed but that's you know uh the there's a debate on what happens my my like personal theory is that they defeat phyrexia uh elsbeth is going to come back uh maybe as an angel, like an ascended angel planeswalker, uh, and is going to have figured out a way to cure the infectiousness of Phyrexia. Cause that's the thing that's like unbeatable, right? Is that if you like get stabbed by one, you're no longer human anymore. Like you will be completed. And if oh, they God. can, if they can figure out a way to do that, um, or mass cure people, she should just come back and be like, I cured everyone. Ha ha. Yay. Um, then that is a option um you know other theories are that like emrakul shows up because because the literal every character that locked emrakul in the moon is now a phyrexian other like other than debatably liliana who arguably didn't put her in the moon she just fought her off on a field while the other people put her in the moon but nissa's phyrexianized uh jace is put, made a, is a phyrexian tommy was a phyrexian and Nahiri is a Phyrexian, and they are all basically responsible for like they have all the ability to control Emberkel in some way. <laughs> is there uh, is there would there be justification in your mind for Emberkel coming back in some revenge capacity in like another set? Like, is that a cool thing? Do you want to see that, or are you sort of like, come on, guys, Emberkel? We've like seen a lot of Emberkel. I don't need more of this. This is their big end thing. I, I think also Nicobolus can come back. Jace is the only Jace is one of the two characters that knows that Nicobolus is still alive. He's also now Phyrexian and they might want to turn him into it. The tree like where where Nicobolus right now is he's alive in the meditation realm that was like his like home plane that he created with Ugin just hanging out and one thing that Nicobolus who, who are the three big villains ever? Nicobolus, Emrakul, and Ugin or something? No, uh Nicobolus, the Phyrexians, and 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 uh, the Eldrazi. I think that's a pretty safe. You could like sure, sure. Em- so Emrakul, Nicobolus. When you say the the, the Phyrexians, are you saying like Yagmoth or Elishnorn? You can choose okay. which one. I guess they're pretty. I think Yagmoth up to this point was a bigger one, just because they were the center of the story. Where Elishnorn is having her big moment right now, but I think Elishnorn is probably a bigger villain in the long run. That's a hot take, and- maybe. <laughs> And this really only started in like 2000, what, like 10 or something when like oh. the, like Nick Bolas with like uh, Alara. I mean, Nick I guess Nick Bolas and, from... and Phyrexia have been around since the like second and third set of magic, right? Like Nick Bolas well, has been around since. Nick Bolas has been around since Legends, but but like the Elder Dragons that like it was that that was different. We, we didn't have story sets back then. So like and, and Nick Bolas didn't come back then until. 
There's stories. Like that. I mean, all the legendary characters and legends have stories around them, including Nicol Bolas and the dragons and the origins. And there were books back then too. Just because I mean, you didn't like, read them doesn't like, mean they didn't exist. Well, no, I was going to say, I was, I was going to say like big one. Ascendant Evan Carr and like Volrath. Like that was like, those are like the villains in the old days. Like, you know what yeah, I mean? Like, those, had, I mean, that's Phyrexia, right? Volrath is a Phyrexian. Ascendant Evancar is a Phyrexian. That's all the Phyrex- original Phyrexian. Those are all Yagamoth followers. When you say the when you say the Phyrexians, you're referring to like Dominaria villains, basically throughout up history, until, up until now. Like they're all connected, right? It's all a continuous story. Got it. Okay. Okay. So that's like when we're talking about like who would be the big comeback and surprise us all. I'm still alive and evil thing. The the, Phyre- the Phyrexians are Magic the Gatherings like the Joker or Lex Luth. Like I'm trying to, that's not even a good example. Uh, like they're, they're the most iconic saying. villain, right? The, like if magic, if magic, the gathering is Batman, Phyrexia is the Joker, right? Or if magic, the gathering is Superman, they are Lex Luthor, right? They are, sure. they are the arch nemesis of the heroes of magic, the gathering. Uh, yes. After that, if you want to say that, like the second biggest villain is uh, in Batman two face, that's Nicol Bolas. Right. And Got if you it. want to say like the third biggest villain is the penguin, I guess that, oh, I don't know, whatever you want to say is the third biggest. I get uh, what you're, I get what, that, I get what you're that's saying. That's the Eldrazi, right? Those are the three big ones. And I think that they could bring any of them back as a part of the story or release them as a part of the story to become villains again in the future as they rotate through their main three. They've also set sure. up some future ones. Tezzeret has been set up pretty thoroughly to like like literally the story that came out yesterday which was the last story for this set was a following Tezzeret and he now has replaced his body which was being destroyed by the planar portal because he made a deal with Elishnorn to help her get everyone to other planes and the reason he did that is Elishnorn replaced the planar portal that Nickel Bulls forced into his chest to replace it with a dark steel body so now now he's Tezzeret is a dark steel Tezzeret planeswalker so he's like indestructible and he has the little mm. cool spirally star lights going around him and he's been able to regain a lot of his memories that jace erased 15 years ago in our time in our time <laughs> uh so now and he's like rebuilt his he has like a super spy network that he's in, co- in control of and so he's like rebuilding that uh Lim duel uh who is an old villain from magic back back in the day he's the raven man who's the person who's basically been manipulating liliana to like have the the chain veil and all of that stuff. He's also set up to be a big villain moving forward. Um, I know through conversations we've had with people that, you know, that Oko, how infamous Oko was, and also his connection to Garrick and the Kenrith twins who are being set up as being main characters moving forward. He's set up to be a big bad moving forward. To be honest, I thought Nahiri was going to be a big bad moving forward. And there's going to be some Phyrexians that survive this, right? No matter what they do at the end of this story. Um, there's going to be something. My personal hope, uh, which I think it's one of the most beautiful story moments in Magic, was when Vraska and Jace. So when Vraska was completed in this set, she was used as a trap in a Frixian Arena reprint. If you look at the new Frixian Arena, I don't know if you noticed that. That's in modern now. I did see that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ben's eyes are just like rolling into the back of his head. As no, I'm no, I, I, I understood that reference. I like the card Frixian Arena, and I did look at the art earlier today. So there you go. So, so that is a moment where. Vraska was being completed as a trap to lure the characters as they're doing their strike team to blow up the big tree. Jace doesn't handle that well because they're in love with each other. He he gives her one last date where he like mind controls both of them to have a date on Ravnica. That's really, really, really sweet. 
and then she mur- and then and then she turns halfway through the dream and then she infects him and that's how they both oh. get infected it's like one of the more beautiful things magic has created from a story perspective highly recommend it it's very sad um but i really hope that they're like the team rocket of phyrexia forever like I, I want Frixie to be. That's why I hope Jace doesn't die, right? I hope this isn't the last Jace, but I hope that Jace moving forward is like more of a villain that we have to deal with. Because Jace sure. as a villain is terrifying. You don't, you've never watched the show Bleach, but for anyone on the that list of podcasts that has watched the show Bleach, the main villain in Bleach is a guy named Eisen, and his main ability is that if you see his ability from that point on for the rest of your life, if he is in your presence, he can control all senses that you have to. 100% recreate reality around you. Right? So like you don't know where he is, he could just stab you when you wouldn't know where he is. You could be thinking you're eating, you're not eating food. Like the world around you is whatever he wants it to be. Jace has that ability. Jace also has the ability to just erase your mind. Just Can I ask kill this people from miles away. Read your mind. <laughs> Control Can who I ask you are. I want to ask with Jace because I'm a fan obviously. I've played a lot of Jace cards. I don't know the story as well as you in the ranking of like most powerful magic planeswalker characters ever. Obviously Jace is not unless I'm wrong. Jace is not like on Jace's own as powerful as like Nickel Bolas or like Ugin. Like Jace is still like just a regular, but, but like in the ranking, how powerful of, of, of a human is Jace? I would say he's easily top 10. Uh, so if you wanted to rank them, like I think like Nicobolus, Ugin, Nahiri, Soren are right now like four. Soren's like, way more powerful than Jace. Yes. Uh, I don't know he's, why. He's, he's better than Jace. Okay. So Jace's problem is Jace is an idiot. <laughs> really? <laughs> so uh, so Jace Jace I'm always sure. makes the bad decision. He's 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 like the classic like I'm I'm the most I'm the smartest guy in the room, but I have like no street smarts kind of idiot, right? Like he's the one that planned the plan to go get this tree, and it was a failure, and it's a failure because Jace is an idiot, <laughs> right? He uh-huh. brings Nissa, who's what he brought because like oh there's a tree I have to kill. She knows things about trees, not realizing that if they completed Nissa which happened, uh, they now have a way to overpower their tree because she can make trees mm-hmm. go through She brought along, he brought along Luca because he has no self-esteem and was like, oh, I need to bring a planeswalker that knows how militaries work because I need someone that's good at a strike team because I can't lead this. I'm an idiot or I have no self-esteem. So he brings Luca along and he like completes himself literally within like 30 seconds of arriving on the plane. He shows Jeez, up, he's like, you're a puppy. And he just touches it and he's like, you're now my puppy. And the puppy was like, no, you're now my Phyrexian buddy. And then he like sticks cables into him and he's like immediately completed. <laughs> Why did Jace suck so much? I'm confused. I used to love Jace. Now Jace seems like a fool. No, 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 no. Jace is an amazing character. This is these are these are good story beat characters. He just is not. And, and part of it is because Jace is too powerful. So Jace is, I would say, probably a top five powerful characters in the universe. But Jace is too good of a guy to you. Like his powers are powerful in a way that is problematic, right? He can Ugh. just kill people. And unless he's fighting someone like a Nicol Bolas, like one on one against other powerful people is a little bit where he has a problem. But he could literally just kill an entire city. He could erase mm. the mind of every person in an entire city block. Just like just all of you no longer exist. So like compare that to like a Johnny. A Johnny doesn't have any of the same qualities. No, a Johnny could heal people. He could like fight you really well with a sword, but he couldn't just be like no longer 
no longer alive. <laughs> Soren like, has some yeah. of those abilities, right? Like Soren can suck the life out of you. Soren's an old walker, right? He was omnipresent. He created Abyssin. He could create planes before he was completed. He he like vampire vampires exist everywhere because of Soren. He is the his dad is the first vampire ever. He could planeswalk. He spread vampirism. Um, but now that the mending happened, he got weaker. That's like why Nicol Bolas did his thing. Nicol Bolas is more powerful than Jace one-on-one, right? But he can't do what Jace can do on a wider scale. So it's, it. it's kind of like 1v1, Jace loses against Nicol Bolas. If I were to... to it's, it's basically, if I'm going to fight you one-on-one, you beat me. But if I had to like fight 30 people... I have like, uh, what's a good example? You get it. <laughs> I, I I get it. I get it. I get it. Okay. Jace is a kind uh, of a it's, fool. It's Jace, he's, he's, a, he's a lovable. And, he's a lovable fool. In a little, in a messed up way, Jace has like an automatic gun and you're a tank and Nicol Bullis is a tank. Right. Got it. Got it. My gun they can't to, do anything. Against to make, they had to find a way to make Jason like more balanced. Well, as the, a ba- the balance is he doesn't want to use these powers, right? It's, it's, uh, ostensibly evil like it is evil to kill people with by erasing their mind it is evil to sure. read the minds of your friends and use it to manipulate them it is evil to like hide you know mind control people period yeah but now he's evil which is terrifying <laughs> i don't know how like like think of every mind mage like he has the ability to like if we were to fight one-on-one in reality he could read your mind at every moment and you could never hit him because he knows where you're going to punch before you know okay fair enough i i my answer my my jace question is answered i will still love jace but i will look at my jace cards as they are they are dumber (laughs) in the (laughs) nicest way (laughs) (laughs) um Everyone thinks Jace is very smart, and that's what gets them into trouble. <laughs> uh, the last card that's been Frixian is Luca Bound to Ruin. Two red, hybrid red, green, green. Five mana can become a four mana. Five loyalty would be at three loyalty interplay if you use it for cheaper. Uh, it's plus is uh, plus one add red, green, spend this mana only to cast creature spells or activate abilities of creatures. Minus one, create a three, three green Frixian Beast creature token with toxic one. Uh, and minus four Luca deals four da- uh, deals X damage divided as you choose among any number of target creatures and or planeswalkers where X is the greatest power among creatures you control as you activate this ability. So I mean, as you activate this ability, so that means that if Luca is the only thing you have when you play Luca, you cannot minus to deal the damage. Like the minus is useless at that point. You have it to make zero. a three. three well, first. yeah, but you plus, and now you can do it for three, I guess. Or you minus one, so you can do it for three, I Ooh. guess. I think this card's bad. Yep. Um, yep. Pretty sure. Yep. I don't like it either. A lot of people are like, yeah. I think Luca's really good. I'm like, I don't see it. I can see like. The plus, you, you play this, you pay the cost, you know, so now you're, you, it comes down as a three loyalty planeswalker. You plus one it to get green red, like, but you're still having to pay four mana to like get a, so then you have like a, I don't know. I think getting like a three, three with talk, there's just nothing. This card isn't doing anything on its own when it comes down that is that impressive to me other than making a three, three. I would much rather play Garrick Wildspeaker than this card every yeah, time. Agreed. Agreed. Which has a lot. <laughs> I don't know if I want to play Garrick Wildspeaker that often, but if I was going to play one, the ability of 
untapping two lands is stronger. You can spend it on any type of creature. You can do kind of cool things with it that's trickier. You can rebuy activated abilities on lands. The beast is basically the same move. And then overrun is better than like bite divided bite uh next next week when we have more time i'd like to get a new conversation about tyvar because i'm a big fan next week we're going to do the other five planes ne- ne- next episode we'll do the other five uh not okay. completed planeswalkers uh the last card we're going to talk about today because it's a little bit a bit of news and i want to get your vibe on it attracts a grand unifier three mm, green yep. white blue black uh frixian angel seven seven it has Flying, Vigilance, Death Touch, Lifelink. When Atraxa enters the battlefield, revolve the top 10 cards of your library. For each card type, you may put one card of that type into your hand. Put the rest of the bottom of your library in any order. Fine. Whatever. I saw Sperling, I saw Sperling tweeting about this earlier. I, I think it was Sperling. Uh, Wait, I, haven't, and... I, haven't, I haven't revealed the important part before you talk about it. Oh, oh go ahead. In the parentheses, where it normally would say, like on Tarmogoyf, it reminds you of all of the different card types that there are. Uh, yeah. This card lists artifacts, creatures, enchantments, instants, lands, planeswalkers, sorceries, and battle. Wait, what? <laughs> I knew you hadn't read this yet. <laughs> battle is a card type that we haven't seen yet there is a new card type that won't be in this set it's uh, confirmed will be in the next set so in march of the machines they will be adding a new card type to magic the gathering for the first time since tribal was added in Lorowin. and planeswalkers, planeswalkers which are also added in Lorowin. both added in Lorowin. and 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 Tarmogoyf in Future Sight first referenced Tribal, to be fair. So this is so, this is the the Tarmogoyf-esque hint where they printed a card like Tarmogoyf that listed all of the different card types in the set before it came out to hint that in the next set they were going to add new card types. Also importantly, uh it doesn't say tribal tribal isn't mentioned, and then the rules lawyer did the royals, the rules manager confirmed basically that if for cards that are being printed into standard, they will not include non-relevant card types. So if the card type isn't in that standard, they're not going to put tribal. But this also means that Tarmogoyf can be one more power and toughness swoller than he could ever have been before. Very fair. New new buff for Tarmogoyf. <laughs> so I read the, I mean... Battle, that's interesting. I'm curious to see what battle is. Oh, I, I honestly, I, you couldn't even tell me what the rest of this card says. That's the important thing I wanted to talk about. You could talk about it. <laughs> I mean, I, I love the original Atraxa. This card is a 7-7 seven, seven for 7 that has four keyword abilities. Like, what Sperling said on, I think it was Sperling on Twitter, was basically like, this is a complicated way of listing a lot of text to basically say draw four. Which, like, it incentivizes you to build your deck in kind of a certain way, but it also is sort of generic in the way that you're going to get the value of those cards. So it's like build your deck with variety between types and you'll be able to get more value off of this draw. But you're paying seven, so it's like, if it just said draw four, I I would be, like, just as satisfied. I would have to work a lot less hard. So I think that that is kind of interesting. It's, I mean, look, with design, you have to come constantly come up with new ways to make cards interesting. What do you think, think battle is? Uh, well, before I, I guess on Atraxa, I think it. I think it's like it reminds me of uh, a Nib Mizzet, right? Some more character too. Yeah. So like a bunch of mana, you draw 
three to seven cards, right? And it is probably something closer to five on average, maybe four on average. Sperling maybe did the math. Um, and but it's attached to a lifelinking death touch flying vigilant seven seven commander that like is four colors, right? That is a feature on this card. Like there are only there's only one other four color green, white, blue, black commander that exists. It's Atraxa, <laughs> right? Yeah. Other than the like the combo of 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 uh partner, uh, partner sure. pairs, right? So like that's not an irrelevant thing. And it's cool, like you know, it'll kill a player if you with commander damage, you kill someone in three turns. Okay. What do I think battle is? I have two thoughts. I'm leaning in two directions. Yeah. Okay. The first direction is something along the lines of like a card that sits in play and switches who controls it. Like once you play it, it like the last person to take damage, or if it's your combat step, you control it and it has an effect of some variety. Um, so like a permanent, right? A permanent that it, like it, it plays maybe somewhat like a world enchantment, but maybe it bounces back and forth. Something like initiative. I think that to me, the more interesting thing is it's a instant sorcery variant. Mm, instant sorcery battle. Like there is so there, we have a bunch of different permanent types. We only have two spell types. What does that mean? I don't know, but maybe it's a maybe it's an instant sorcery that just stays in play right like like the the this stays in play like kind of the same deal i don't know um mm. those are my two thoughts i don't know what you can do with instant and sorcery to make something different like what is a different instant and sorcery why yeah, is it an I enchantment mean, like the other one's like why is it an enchantment now when on tarmogoyf does it say tribal it just says tribal, right? Yeah. So it could be battle enchantment, battle artifact, battle creature. Like it could be sure. like tribal, right? And then it's its purpose is um more of a like a rider that allows something to happen. Like which is maybe interesting. It could be I a feel, divider. Combative, right? Like so like it, the word battle would suggest that you Something is going to happen that interacts between you and a, and a permanent or you and a player. So like whether it's an enchantment, a creature, instant sorcery, could it be like a sorcery where like you play it, it stays in play, something happens in your turn, something happens on their turn and that resolves in your next upkeep. Could it be like, you know what I mean? Like the concept of fight sort of, but you apply essentially fight or a fight concept to another another permanent type maybe other than just creature to creature, you know, could it be a spell that is like a fight concept? Um, I don't know. Clash was never very successful. Clash was pretty unsuccessful when they did it back in Lorwyn. And I thought it was a bad effect and they never were able to find. So one, one that I had is like, it's a card that like gives a benefit. Like, uh, in Ungle, the most recent onset, they had like separate the battlefield into different like lanes, right? Yeah. Like Space Chase does that, right? You have like three different lanes you can attack in and you have to attack in the right one. I can imagine it being like a thing you play and then you have to, if you attack in the battlefield that you have, like the battlefield of Zendikar, right? Which I think will be what they are, right? I think they're each going to be different planes that are like classics. Then if you attack mm -hmm. in that one, you get that benefit of that plane. But 
maybe only one creature can be in there at a time and you have to destroy it or you just control it yourself. So it's like a cool benefit that creatures get to go into that works differently than equipment. Um, Hmm. I I mean, look, I think, I think the last several, the last several new card types they've designed, even if they're only slight modifications on classic card types have been pretty good. I think like adventure was really fun. Saga was pretty good. I haven't had much of an issue with most of that stuff. I can't imagine battle is going to be like, like planeswalker is the only one I can think of that was an actual pure different card type. Like it did not resemble anything else. Vehicle was like equipment in its own way, you know, like, so if it's so, so I mean, vehicle was very good. If, 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 uh, if battle is a variation on something we've seen, I, I trust them, you know, I'll be, I'll be excited to see it. It's possible that they're also attackable. Sure. Oh, like, oh, you, like a spell. Like, and if, it, if it resolves, if you if it has like suspend counters kind of a thing, but if you attack those counters off, then it never happens. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. Or, or it's, it's like a, uh, uh, it's like a, you, it's an enchantment, but you can't, like, enchantments can't be attacked, right? So it's an enchantment that's like, uh, has 10 defense points and your opponent and you get all your creatures get plus 10 plus 10 while you have this enchantment in play that's an insane card but whatever. Well, you at while you have the battlefield in play but your opponent sure. can attack your battlefield to slowly lower that number so that cool, yeah. you you like play like plays in the planeswalker space without them being like the uptick downtick features right it's like sure. that i guess that's the one like what about what what the one permanent type that has like a lot of rules on it that maybe are usable in other places are planeswalkers. And maybe that's just, it's like a planeswalker variant is possible. Um, what's weird there. Well, what's a little weird is like, I think like planeswalkers in general aren't like the best gameplay. So I would, they're a bit of a problem. Yeah. So, but maybe battlefield is the answer to that. Maybe they have less planeswalkers, but they like the attack another thing and protect it gameplay. I don't know. That's my, that's my other thought. Um, I wonder how. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. All right. That is it for today's episode. Thank you so much, everyone. Uh, We'll talk to you uh, all next week. Uh, Shout out to all of our sponsors. Please follow us on all of the different apps, TikTok, whatever platform, etc. And uh, we will see you all next week. Ben, anything you want to say before you head out? Uh, No, thanks for watching, guys. We appreciate it. Nice to see you all. We'll uh, talk to you soon. Bye, everybody. This has been a production of Time Traveler Media. Sending podcasts into the future.